This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 194, Toolbox Episode. Use the volatility buffer against market madness. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. I have a question for you as we jump in. What is the goal of climbing a mountain? Seems like an obvious question, but I'm wondering what you'd answer here. So before I answer, I want to take you to another question. Who was the first person to successfully climb Mount Everest? Now, the most famous story is of the 1924 climb of George Mallory and Andrew Sandy Irvine. These were a pair of climbers, and they went up in 1924, the hills and then mountains of Mount Everest. But they were last seen still going strong at the second step, which was around 28,000 feet above sea level. Many people wonder if Mallory and Irvine might have even been the first people to make it to the very top of Mount Everest clear back in 1924, almost 100 years ago. However, since the two men did not make it down the mountain alive, perhaps we'll never know for sure. So my question, who first successfully climbed the great mountain, Mount Everest? After years of dreaming about it and seven weeks of climbing, New Zealander Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay reached the top of Mount Everest, the highest mountain in the world, on May 29, 1953. They were the first people to ever reach the summit of Mount Everest. But even more importantly, they were the first people to reach the summit and come back down to tell us all about it. So my own mountain climbing story was also fraught with peril and excitement. When my girlfriend, now wife, uh, we were all just still dating at the time, Katrina and I um, climbed Mount Fuji in Japan a long time ago. It was a traumatic and fun day. It probably burned more calories off my body than the rest of my entire life combined. Just getting up that mountain was treacherous and difficult. There was weird fog and snow and then strange sunshine that seemed to keep us guessing and also switching our wardrobes out. I will tell you that coming back down the mountain felt like I was going to just die. Basically, I was going to die. I thought that was it. There were moments our bodies were just giving out underneath us. So I'm here to say the goal of climbing a mountain is to reach the summit and also come back down safely. So why is it that coming down the mountain for me on Mount Fuji and maybe some others on Mount Everest, why is it that it's so much more dangerous descending a mountain than going up? I mean, isn't gravity helping us get back down? Well, there's a Sherpa, uh, kind of a guide for Mount Everest. They're known as Sherpas. Uh, Kami Rita, he's actually summited the world's tallest peak 24 times. That's more than any other person in history. He says, if you haven't judged how much, how much gas you have left in the tank, then you cannot make it down Mount Everest. That's why some climbers sit down on their way down and don't get back up. Indeed, the New York Times reported that 10 out of the 11 climbers who died on Everest over a month in 2019 had already reached the apex of the mountain. They had already gotten to the top. They were on their way back down when they either fell, collapsed, died of exhaustion or illness, or just stopped to rest and 
mysteriously went to sleep and never woke up. Okay, so with this sort of <laughs> uh, foreboding intro, what does all this have to do with your money? Let me see if I can clarify things. You can make a good living being a bull investor on Wall Street. A bull market investor who has a positive outlook on the future of the stock market uh, will probably do well over the long term. So why is it that Wall Street advisors will never, never tell you to sell your stock? Why is that? Well, it's because their entire business model is based on attracting more and more investment flows of money, assets under their management for more of their index funds and stocks and ETF allocations. I mean, guys, the entire stock market industry is based on inflowing cash. That's why you see investment advisors pounding the table to buy, 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 because it's invariably their compensation, which is based on assets under management. Or as I say, you know, your assets under their management. Uh, their business is in the business of selling another IPO or stock to the public. They need you climbing up that mountain. And in fact, they're not compensated. In fact, they are penalized financially to help you come back down the mountain of retirement. So when your livelihood, or in this case, their livelihood is tied to the money coming into the market, you're not going to tell people to get money out of the market ever. I mean, guys, it's like asking a barber if you should grow your hair out. You can already bet what his answer will be before you ask the question. Now, Wall Street gurus may be ready to help you climb up the mountain. Like I say, it's, it's your assets under their management. So of course, they're going to want you to go up a mountain and be as high at top that mountain as you possibly can. Once you reach the summit, however, they're likely going to stop returning your calls as you try to make your way down the mountain all by yourself. I mean, what are you going to do when, when you're 82 years old and there's been a couple of market crashes and your investment advisor hasn't been returning your calls because he's trying to close the deal with that young prospect climbing up the mountain with his high earning potential and his juicy IRA balance? So if you want to know some of the strategies we do at our firm in terms of helping our clients become in retirement income experts coming down the mountain, not just going up, go back and listen, clear back to episode 23, where we share three strategies for coming back down the mountain of retirement, for ditching the Wall Street gurus and becoming your own retirement Sherpa. So I'm not going to repeat that episode here, but there was some great content in that episode. So go back and listen to it. Instead, let's focus on today's episode on one life-saving strategy we've hinted at a few times, but I'd like to go into greater detail on today. It's often referred to as the volatility buffer, sometimes the volatility shield. So what is the volatility buffer? In essence, it's the use of whole life insurance in your overall financial plan as a volatility buffer asset to manage sequence of return risk for investment portfolio distributions. Now, holy smokes, that is a mouthful. So let me translate that into plain English. <laughs> In fact, let me use me here as an example. Let's say for whatever reason, I did not follow my own advice and I put all my money into the stock market. I was not building safe wealth building solutions into my financial life. Instead, all of my retirement toolbox was just a bunch of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, all wrapped up inside of IRAs and 401ks and brokerage accounts, et cetera. You know, I'm feeling great because let's say I've built up, let's say I've built up 2 million bucks by the time I'm 65 years old. 
I have climbed to the top of Mount Everest. And so now that I'm 65 years old and I need to spend this money, I'm going to start coming down the mountain. I'm going to take 150 grand a year out of my retirement accounts to spend on groceries and the grandkids throughout my retirement years. Now, while I started with 2 million bucks at age 65, right as I retire, suddenly, boom, the market decides right then and there that it's done with me and it's ready to roll off a cliff. Since my money is invested in accounts, invested in that market, I cannot avoid rolling off with it. It's like having an avalanche coming right down on me as I'm trying to descend. Even if my assets, my invested assets were well diversified among many ETFs, growth stock, value stock, dividend paying stock, and more. Let's say all my eggs were in 12 baskets, but they're all on the same side of the mountain going down over the cliff. What good did all that diversification do me? None at all. None at all. In fact, it's to my misfortune that the market continues to crash now for two years in a row, just like it did in 2000 and 2001, and just like it did for millions of Americans who had just retired in 2007 and 8. In my situation, it dropped down 15% in the first year and 26% in my first two years of retirement. So 15% in year one, 26% in year two for my first two years of retirement. Now, again, because all my money is tied up in the market, even if it was conservatively invested, when I remove money out of my investment accounts during those down years for groceries and the grandkids, I'm inflicting a double pain on myself, a double pain when markets crash. And I also decide to take money out of my retirement accounts. In fact, guys, this is crazy. So come back to me if you're multitasking. This is the moment. After just two years of retirement, I'm down to just half of what I started with. After just two years. How is that possible? Again, the market only went down 15% and 26%. However, the problem is, along with those simultaneous down years, I had to withdraw money of my, out of my accounts to spend on what I needed in retirement, that 150 grand I needed to live on. It causes an irreversible downward spiral from which my accounts will never recover. And that's the problem of having uncovered investment assets. It's like being exposed on the mountain during a lightning storm. When you don't have a way to cover yourself, you cannot buffer yourself against the elements. Now, why would I do such a thing? Why would I inflict pain on myself like this? Why would I take money out of my stock market accounts when the markets are crashing? Aren't my CNBC investment gurus telling me to just, quote, hold on when the market crashes? Aren't they telling me not to open up my account statements and just don't look at it? I mean, don't they encourage us to just hold on tight and remind us that it always comes back? Well, again, if all I have in my retirement portfolio is stocks, bonds, etc., and I'm already in my retirement years, guys, I don't have the luxury to not eat that year to hope and pray my market balances come back. I've got to take money out of my account, even if markets are crashing to cover my bills and my groceries and more. I had to take 150 grand out of my crashing accounts because the stock market does not care if I'm retired or not. Let me say that again. The stock market does not care if you are retired or not. It does not care if I lose half of my life savings just two years into my retirement experiment. So if all I have in my mountain climbing gear is the mixed portfolio uh, my investment guru gave me before he left me at the summit, when the markets fall, as they inevitably do several times even over my 30-year retirement, I'll have the double pain of stocks crashing, 
but also have the pain of removing my grocery and grandkid money out of my account so that it can't rebound the following year or ever again. How do I feel at this point, having lost half of my life savings just two years in, knowing I probably have another 20 or 30 years to live? And guys, to make matters worse, when the stock market bounces back, let's say in year three, with a juicy 37% positive gain, my money is so vaporized at that point that it doesn't really grow a lot because it's earning 37% on what is now a much smaller number. Now, I just went through some numbers and figures, which I know are just the, the best thing to do on a audio-only podcast. So to see what I just said in plain numbers, go see the show notes. We've got a chart with some images that explains and goes over each of the years of that retirement sequence of returns coming down the mountain. Okay, so come back to, come back to the show notes to see more on that. Guys, let's do a post-mortem here. Let's do a post-mortem on what just happened, or hopefully in your case, a pre-mortem, as I say, you know, avoiding the problems by anticipating them and making a change. How can we avoid this disaster of a retirement? Because really, if you consider it, the one thing I had no control over was what the market was going to do the year after I retired. Most of the oh-so-average financial planners do not have an answer to how do I avoid this? That is a question they don't have an answer to. They simply tell you to do your best, hold on, because their average historical returns show you can assume blah, blah, blah. It doesn't do a lot of good, guys, to talk about averages because no one has an average retirement account. They only have their specific personal retirement account. And when your specific account is being pummeled by the market, I'm betting that this mythical average account is not going to deposit extra cash into your specific account, right? That's not how averages work. I cannot spend an average dollar at the grocery store. No, I can only spend my own dollar at the grocery store. So investment advisors, if you're listening, please, please stop talking about averages and instead talk about a specific tool you can use today to prepare your clients against market madness. All right. So as a preamble, one simple strategy to avoiding and protecting yourself against market madness would be just to get out of the market altogether. Let the vast majority of your retirement assets grow predictably and competitively and safely where the market madness cannot touch you. You would ascend and descend this grand mountain of retirement, not abused by the perils of the unknown, the market's ups and downs. But rather, you'd be smiling with guarantees and predictability like you're sitting on a gondola ski lift going up and down with grace and ease. Following this pathway up the mountain is very simple. It doesn't take a genius, but it's not average. It's not common. It's not your average financial strategy to go up and down the mountain on a gondola. A simple and proven strategy to solve risks of market volatility, inflation, tax increases, all of which is solved, would mean putting all of your funds into things like whole life insurance and also fixed indexed annuities. This combination of these two assets would bring you safely up and down the mountain on a cable car ski lift that completely avoids the drama of the markets going on below you. You simply watch from the safety and security of the cable car and enjoy the smooth ride the entire time. I mean, really, guys, where is it written that we have to put all of our money into assets we cannot control 
with markets we cannot perfectly time. Why do we accept the notion that we must be abused by the market with our own money, the money that we cannot afford to lose? So this ski lift up and down the mountain might be just the right ticket for most of you listening today. And if so, you can go ahead and end the episode right here. I mean, this is a perfect strategy. It works. It works every day. However, however, there may be some people listening to the podcast today who love the thrill and the challenge of the stock market with at least some of their money. I mean, who wants to ascend Mount Everest, a beautiful mountain, 100% by gondola, ski lifts? And, you know, I agree. I agree. I think there's certainly a place for a portion of your portfolio, i.e. the money you can afford to lose, to still be invested in the markets. In fact, you might have a more thrilling journey with the safety and security of the gondola ski lift to help you when you need a a hand and still enjoy the best years of the market's increases. So this is what brings us then to the volatility buffer. Now, guys, how does it work? I'll say right up front, step one, it takes a little bit of preemptive work. Now, if you knew you were going to climb a mountain, wouldn't you pack the right gear? Wouldn't you preemptively anticipate what the market might bring you? Wouldn't you preemptively anticipate what the mountain might bring you? Wouldn't you prepare and even protect yourself against the mountain's elements? I mean, who knows what the mountain may give you? Similarly, who knows what the stock market may give you? Just like climbing a mountain, you cannot go back down to base camp to grab your raincoat once you're halfway up. At that point, On the mountain, you just kind of have to deal with it if you didn't prepare. But if you remembered to grab your raincoat before you left, you can shield yourself from the elements. Similarly, before embarking on your journey up Mount Retirement, open up a whole life policy and begin to fund it significantly, packing in enough cash value in the policy such that you have four to six years of provisions for your journey. What are the provisions? Well, this might be your annual retirement income need. You know, you might feel comfortable with four or five or six years worth of retirement income safely growing inside the whole life policy for sake of a future downturn in the markets. Now, why four to six years? Well, you might need some money to spend on groceries and grandkids in the years that the market is crashing. And by keeping that money growing safely and productively in a whole life insurance policy, you have that money set up as a buffer against the volatility of the stock market. When the market goes on to crashing as it does on occasion in the distant, unknowable future, simply let the market do its thing with your money, painful as it may be, and instead take money from your whole life policy to avoid that double pain I mentioned earlier. So that is the volatility buffer strategy. Now guys, it is still not fun to lose money on invested assets, the the money you still have exposed to the market's risks of your portfolio. But if you had four to five or six years of money set aside your provisions to help you climb down the mountain safely, not only would you be able to make it up and down the mountain safely, but retirement researcher and PhD Wade Fow and others say that the volatility buffer of whole life insurance allows us to safely take a a lot more income from our retirement accounts than we would have otherwise had to take out if we didn't have the volatility buffer the whole life policy set up in place. We'll link the source to the article of this uh, Forbes article from Wade Fow in the show notes. So I just said you could take a lot more out. How much more? How much more money could you get out of your retirement accounts if you've got a combination of whole life insurance and stocks 
and bonds and ETFs and index funds. How much more can you pull out? Well, in part, it depends on, of course, how long you plan to live in retirement. But Wade Fowl says you could go from taking the recommended stocks only 3% out of your retirement fund to taking 8 or even 12% from your retirement accounts safely without fear of running out of money. So let's put some skin on this. Let's say you started your retirement journey with a $1 million balance, that you had a million bucks to your name. That means if it was all in stock with no volatility buffer, Wade Fowler suggests that you could be able to take roughly 30,000 bucks out of the stocks only account. But with the volatility buffer, with the whole life policy set aside, ready to go in case of a stock market crash, you could take more like 80 to 120,000 bucks a year out of your accounts. This is from the volatility buffer providing you some safety and increased income throughout your retirement years. If you've got whole life insurance plus invested assets, you can have a massive withdrawal off that account. Now, of course, the risk here is that there are no guarantees on the market side of your portfolio. You could still run out of money uh, due to the volatility, even with that volatility buffer in place. But you have a much better chance of surviving and even thriving when you have the volatility buffer set up in place. Let's go back to my case study I mentioned at the beginning. Remember, without the volatility buffer, after just two years, I had lost half of my life savings from 2 million bucks down to 1 million. And after 15 years, my retirement halfway point, I went from 2 million bucks to $940,000 and it was still draining fast. Now, let's decide, I go back in time somehow and I set up this volatility buffer and I have just four years of my needed income sitting in my whole life policy to complement what my stocks are doing. Taking out just four years of money out of my whole life policy helps me in the down years of the stock market crashes. And this means after 15 years, rather than 940 grand left, I would have, wait for it, $3.8 million after 15 years. Guys, that's, that's more, that's almost double what I started with even with a couple of major market crashes thrown into my retirement years. 3.8 million is enough provisions for me to spend more in my later retirement years. Or if I choose, I can leave more to my grandkids, kids and grandkids to help them up the mountain themselves. So I want you to imagine as we wrap up today, imagine how it would feel to summit the mountain and come all the way back down to base camp and plant that flag safely at base camp or maybe even hand it off, hand off the flag and your provisions to the next generation who are getting ready to start up their own retirement journey. It all comes down to the provisions prepared before you started your trek up the mountain. So I hope this was a helpful visualization and also a tactical strategy you can employ right now as you prepare for retirement. You know, uh, Tom Hegna, retirement researcher and retirement expert, Tom Hegna says it's the 10 years just before you retire and the 10 years right after you retire where you are most exposed to the market's abuses. You're on the top of the mountain at that point. You have more to lose in those years. So take a moment as you prepare for those retirement years to create a volatility buffer. Guys, that's it for today's episode. I'm glad you're with me on the retirement mountain. All right. And thank you for joining me for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. 
This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.